Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Welcome back to Head of the Pack. It's been a while since we've talked to you guys. It's good to be hitting your airwaves again. A nice midsummer episode to catch you up on everything that happened in OTAs, minicamp, uh, and kind of preview training camp a little bit with now less than a month until the Packers hit the field for training camp. As always, I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. Before we get started, I want to let you guys know about something coming to the Athletic Audio platform soon that you're going to want to tune into. Stick around until the end of the episode to hear the trailer of the Athletic's next narrative series titled Luck, where the Athletic's cult writer Zach Kiefer will bring you Andrew Luck's story like you've never heard it before. He spoke with over two dozen people from Jim Irsay to Bill Polian to Frank Reich and Chuck Pagano to David Shaw and RG3 to peel back the curtain in a way that's never been done before on one of the most unique careers in NFL history. Get all six episodes of Luck on the Athletic Football Show feed on Monday, July 11th, wherever you listen to podcasts. That'll be interesting. But what might not be as interesting, but still equally as interesting, is a couple storylines we're going to touch on from Packers OTAs, wrapping that up, previewing minicamp. Um, Bill, you've written more than anyone on OTAs. You're probably more knowledgeable about everything we saw. I was not there for the last OTA session. I don't think I missed Oh, much, man, you missed so much, man. You missed everything. I missed everything. The super top-secret game plan for week one totally installed in front of our very eyes. Amazing. <laughs> what That's would... great. Jordan, Jordan Love handing the ball to B.J. Baylor. That's still be oh, yeah, 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 Jesus. <laughs> what was the biggest thing you took away or, or biggest thing that stuck with you from – OTAs in minicamp. I have mine, but I want to hear yours first. I would say slot corner. Um, for when they had everybody there for the minicamp, it was Rasul Douglas in the slot. I think, at least I personally thought that Jair Alexander would be the guy. Look, maybe, maybe he will be week one, and maybe we just kind of saw something they were tinkering with. But Rasul Douglas is that slot guy. He played four snaps in there last year, Matt. Not five, four. And he hasn't played a whole lot more than that in his career. Um, but that seems to be at least a consideration at that point, at this point. What say you? I think it'll be interesting because last, what was it, winter? Um, when Jair was kind of being integrated back into practice, we weren't allowed to report this, I don't think, at the time. But Correct. Jair was taking the, the slot snaps in practice. So we thought, okay, He'll be the slot guy because that guy is more movable. And, and who's the most versatile, best cornerback they have? Jair Alexander. Um, he played eight snaps, I think it was, against the 49ers. So they couldn't mm. really deploy him in that way. But the the biggest body of the three, who's might be best suited to, at least from a physical standpoint, defend against the run, step down in the box, is Rasul Douglas. So I'm not surprised to see him there. Um, obviously, Ryan Downer, their new safeties coach, says, oh, Darnell Savage could play there too. And they have Keyshawn Nixon and Douglas and Stokes and and Alexander. I don't know who it's going to be. It's a good problem to have. 
But I think Douglas being there, at least to start, is a small indication of, of what we might see. You know, you never want to read too much into what you see on the field early in training camp. Like, in my roster projection, I included Cole Van Lannen because he was taking right tackle snaps with the ones. Now, is he going to be the starting right tackle week one? No. But the fact that he might be that second guy in line, because obviously David Bakhtiari wasn't there, so Yash had to play left tackle, means he might be in line right now to have one of those, you know, swing tackle spots. But things can change easily. They can still cut people and make signings, obviously. So I wouldn't read too much into it, but I think it's interesting to to see that they think they have multiple guys who can play in that slot role, and obviously it's it's very important. Now, I want to ask you, kind of going off that, they have their their first round pick or their first first round pick. Um, he's not just going to ride the bench like they have him because I don't want to say Quay Walker is a nickel corner, but he gives them versatility in that you know he can drop back into coverage or or defend against the run and. You know, when he's in there, they may want to give off the notion that they're gearing up to defend against the run, and then he just drops back in coverage. And if you have a nickel corner in there, you're obviously defending against the pass. So will they want to use Jair? What I'm getting at is, will they want to use Jair in the nickel role if it means he's just going to come off when Quay Walker comes on? You want Jair out of any of the three on the field, most out of anyone, probably Rasul least out of the three which isn't a bad thing, but if you're going to have a guy that's interchangeable, sure, you can mix and match all over the place, but I would think they might want Rasul Douglas in that role and just be like Douglas or Quay Walker on the field at the same time, maybe both, Um, but uh, maybe they keep Jair on outside so they can just keep him in there all the time. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah, it could just be a matchup thing too, right? When you have your your Randall Cobb style slot receiver, you know, the old school small guy. Maybe that's where Alexander goes in there then. And if it's Cooper Cup, the bigger slot guy, the modern slot guy, maybe it's Rasul or yeah, maybe it's Douglas in those cases, kind of a mix and match based on personnel. Mm-hmm. Quay Walker thinks a good point though. Under Petten, they ran the most dime snaps in 2020. Under Barry last year, they ran the eighth most. And I think that's where Walker's really interesting. If he can play coverage like they think you can play. You can play some bigger defenses. You can play pure nickel, but still feel pretty decent that you can play pass coverage, which they just have not been able to do for ever. I mean, seriously, I mean, right. they haven't had a coverage linebacker worth a crap in, in in years and years and years. Right, and their nickel corners, when you know who's it been in years past, Chan and Sullivan. He's not going to step in there and and stuff a running back coming through the hole and. Shamar Jean-Charles isn't. We don't know what Keyshawn Nixon really is yet in terms of that that nickel role, whether he'll play. He's probably that fourth cornerback right mm-hmm. now. But um, in years past, Shannon Sullivan's in, you're defending against the pass. Chris Barnes is in, you're defending against the run. Yep. Having Rasul Douglas and Quay Walker in those roles now might make things a little less predictable for opposing offenses. And if you can throw them off by just a bit, that's huge for your defense. Yeah, I'm not comparing Rasul Douglas to Charles Woodson, <laughs> but I mean, Woodson made a killing in the slot mm-hmm. because what you said, he was a, I mean, he could cover A, but I mean, he was just a physical guy who could blitz. It is almost like needing a linebacker. In other words, you are so close to the line of scrimmage. Anytime they run a sweep your way, I mean, he is 
basically the first guy there. So I can see the physicality could be a big thing for run defense, which hasn't been good. Not since you got here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> My takeaway, I'm, I'm going on the other side of the ball. I want to avoid getting caught up in the hype train of minicamp because it can snatch you right up and not let you go. But hearing Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur talk about Sammy Watkins makes it sound mm-hmm. like he is a lock for this team and he's going to have a sizable role in this offense. Like when he first signed, we all said his contract makes it easy to cut him in training camp. If he gets hurt or doesn't perform kind of like Devin Funchess, you know, he's no lock to make the team. It's kind of a low risk, high reward signing Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. I'm paraphrasing here, but basically said there are going to be opportunities for him in this offense. He's going to be a big part of what we do. Like where'd that come from? Exactly. Sure, he still might only play eight games, <laughs> but it sounds like he's on the team. And sure, things can change, but the early returns, and I was impressed. And again, I don't want to get, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but he was pretty frank and honest with us, saying his back is against the wall. And he's at a point in his career where he knows this might be his last chance, essentially. He was fat, that's what he called himself sitting on the couch wondering if he'd ever get another chance this offseason because of how many injuries he'd had in his career. And he really sees this as an opportunity to prove he still belongs in this league. It was refreshing to hear that from someone like him who clearly hasn't lived up to the number four overall pick billing that was placed upon him in 2014. Um, The same draft, ironically, uh, in which Devontae Adams was the ninth receiver taken. But my biggest takeaway is... Yeah, Sammy Watkins probably won't be a bona fide number one guy, but if we're looking at who's going to really step up, um, maybe look beyond guys that were on the team last season. Yeah, the Watkins thing. We need him to make the team just from a a reporting perspective because he was really good. Yes. But man, I mean, he can talk until he's blue in the face about injuries, but what do scouts say and coaches? Injured players get injured, right? He missed yep. four games last year. He missed six in 2020, two in 2019, six in 2018, one with LaFleur in 2017. He missed half the season in Buffalo. He's had one season of more than 40 catches the last six years. I get it. He's a talented guy, or he was a talented guy. They've got no one else as far as a proven complimentary guy to go along with Lazard and Cobb. I, I get all those things, but it's been a long time since he had 60 catches with Buffalo in 2015. So we'll see. Maybe he's learned the secret to staying healthy. Um, I guess I'll be, I'm pretty skeptical about it, but yeah. maybe he's found something. He did talk and about being in better shape and, and stretching more and doing all those other things. We'll see if it adds up for him. And us as reporters, we love to look into little uh, notes like this. But like you said, the best seasons of his career did come in Buffalo when Jason Vrabel was in the same room as him, now with Packers wide receivers coach. And the last time he... He really had a productive season when he had eight touchdown catches in 2017. Who was his offensive coordinator? Matt LaFleur. So maybe those two things kind of help him. He hasn't played with bad quarterbacks. No, he's that's play- the thing, right? He's played with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Now he's with Aaron Rodgers. So it's not like saying, oh, he's finally with a good quarterback. So Yeah, that was it, golf was pretty decent early in his career, too, for the Rams. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, and that's like the bad quarterback that he had. So yeah, Exactly. Um. Guys with their backs against the wall, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe. It is desperation time because 
you're right. If he doesn't pan out here, who the hell's going to sign him? Exactly. And Aaron Rodgers said it. He said he was 100% behind this signing. He said sometimes he thinks guys with backs against the wall, something to prove, are, are the guys he wants on the team. And um, Alan Lazard wants to prove he deserves a big money contract in free agency. Randall Cobb wants to prove he's still got it. Sammy Watkins, we obviously know what he wants to prove, that he's more than the guy who's just injured all the time. Um, Christian Watson wants to prove that this small school guy who wasn't a first-round pick can live up to the hype and, and prove that the Packers were right in not drafting a receiver or trading up to get one in the first round. Like, I'm not saying this Packers wide receiver room is going to be better without Devontae Adams. I was on um, – I did an interview this morning with – the New York Giants in-house media team where they're previewing each opponent. And they asked me if I thought the Packers wide receiver room would be better without Devontae because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to, you know, quote-unquote force it to him and, and can spread it around. I'm not going to sit here and say any wide receiver room is better without Devontae Adams. That would just be foolish. But I think there is something to be said about guys maybe with a cliche chip on their shoulder and guys with something to prove and a quarterback who wants to also prove that he and them can get it done without their number one receiver. So I wouldn't sleep on the Packers wide receivers room this year. Um, maybe it'll be led by Sammy Watkins. Who knows? I think that would be an, an amazing story to revive his. That's what we're here for. We're here for good stories. Sammy Watkins becoming a true number one receiver would be a great story. And I still think there's a chance they sign Julio Jones. And I'm going to stick to that until he signs with another team. <laughs> That's, I'm glad you said that, Matt, because there, there we got like 20 questions in the, on the Twitter solicitation of questions about receiver. Do you think they sign another one? Um, yes, I do. I think the only locks for the roster are Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, and Probably dubs, right? And Romeo dubs. Right. I don't think Sammy Watkins is a lock. I think he's a good shot to make the team. If they keep six receivers, Watkins is the sixth. But there's nothing wrong with some healthy competition. And listen, you remember I wasn't covering I was still a senior in college, but when Julio Jones dismantled the Packers in that twenty sixteen <laughs> NFC title game, you know who was on the Falcons sideline? Matt LaFleur. <laughs> and he knows what Julio can do. It was just like Matt LaFleur signs guys who he's familiar with. Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin last year. Um, not Devin Funches, but uh, I could see Julio Jones as a guy who comes in here. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he plays 13 games, but is a, is a red zone threat. He can still play. Like he's a future first ballot unanimous hall of famer. Um, and he's never played with a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers. Now, Matt Ryan's done pretty well for himself, but he's no Aaron Rodgers. And I think pairing Julio Jones with Aaron Rodgers, despite the age... Listen, the Packers aren't signing Julio Jones to be their number one for the next five years. They need to win a Super Bowl this year because Aaron Rodgers might retire after this season. So if they can get a cast of veterans, win a Super Bowl... Aaron Rodgers rides off into the sunset, and then they, quote-unquote, rebuild with Jordan Love, Watson, Romeo Dubs, Amari Rodgers. I think they would be fine with that. 
if they get a ring this year. If, but Julio Jones is probably more ready to help them w- win a ring right now than Romeo Dubs is. And I don't think they're going to cut Romeo Dubs because he would probably be claimed on waivers and he's a fourth-round pick. But would they keep seven wide receivers if it means Julio Jones, Dubs, Watson, Amari Rogers, all those guys make the team and maybe keep one less offensive lineman or one less edge rusher? I think they would do that. So I would not put it past them to sign another receiver. Julio Jones is the obvious one, but I think you and I talked about this on the sideline at minicamp. Julio would be foolish to sign like right now. Right. If a team's number one or number two gets hurt during training camp, he's going to get a lot more money from a team that needs him more than the Packers. So it would be wise of him to wait until like midway through training camp because you don't want to skip all of training camp, but you want to give it some time to see if you're wanted more somewhere else, but also come in with enough time to to learn the playbook in time for week one. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I Yeah, and I think it makes sense from Green Bay's perspective, too, to go through a couple of weeks of training camp, see what you've got. Because at this point, they have they have no idea. I mean, the, the offseason stuff didn't really show anything. I think you, you give those guys two weeks, three weeks to go up against Alexander, Douglas, and Stokes every day and see what you got. Can those guys get open reliably enough um, by August 15th, just to throw a, a random date. Can they get open? And if not, then you review it. And if, if you think you, you might have something, maybe hold off for Odell Beckham in November. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, unless these guys fall in their face, I'm going to say, no, they will not sign anybody. Unless it's Beckham, the first Super Bowl charge. Okay, I, I could see that. I uh, want to pull something up here. I'm, I'm searching on Twitter right now. And you probably didn't see it because you don't have Instagram, but... Uh, I got I would, Instagram. I don't pay attention to it. Do you really? Yeah. All right. Fair that way I can, I can see when Rogers posts about Zenith watches. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I can't find it right now, and I won't waste your time, but Odell Beckham Jr. commented on a Packers Instagram photo or video from minicamp of Aaron Rodgers, basically with the, I forget if it was the eyeball emoji or the fire emoji. I love eyeball emoji. And people are like, dude, just just come to the Packers and listen. Odell Beckham Jr. was at Sean McVay's wedding with Matt Lafleur. I think the favorite to re-sign him is the Rams. Mm-hmm. But who was the number two last year? It was the Packers. So listen, the 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 Rams obviously made one of the low key best signings of the offseason in adding Allen Robinson to their wide receiver room. He hasn't. Talk about a guy who hasn't played with a good yeah, quarterback seriously. in his career. He's played with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and a rookie Justin Fields. Get him with Matthew Stafford. That could be dangerous. Um, so how many opportunities are there for Odell in that offense with Cooper Cup back? Uh, I don't think Robert Woods is on the team anymore. No, I got traded to the Titans. To the Titans, that's right. But like with Van Jefferson, Odell might be the number four on that team. He can come to the Packers and be a number two. So maybe he does that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, that happened in... That signing wouldn't happen until late in the season, obviously, because he tore his ACL uh, in the Super Bowl. So that'll be a longer recovery for him. Yeah, so whenever he's healthy, then he surveys the contenders and goes from there. Yeah, so there's no point in getting too antsy about anything with him at this point. But, um, man, he made a difference last year. Adams nailed that one. Yeah, he did. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. 
With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, let's get to uh, a host of questions that we have. I got 24 replies to my tweet, one quote tweet. We'll go from number one from DRich, at DRich318318. Any surprise names you think can make the 53-man roster that no one or very few are talking about now? Every year, there seem to be one or two that no one expected, undrafted free agents, etc. I know you did a story on one, what was it, pro scouting director who uh, thinks this undrafted free agent might have the best chance to make the team. I think the photo of the story gave it away, but maybe you want to tease that story a little bit. I don't think anybody knows who Cole Schneider was. <laughs> exactly. Cole, Cole Schneider could knock on your door right now and you'd say, may I help you? But that that was the one guy's um, choice as the undrafted free agent most likely to contribute. Maybe not necessarily this year, but he was a four-year starting guard at Central Florida. Um, played one game at center, but he's kind of like got the Lucas Patrick vibe to him. Undrafted guy. Right. Experienced. Um, versatile. He gave up, uh, I, be- I believe, zero sacks last year, according to Pro Football Focus. I realize Central Florida is not playing the SEC, um, but they have a ho- they have a they have a hole there. I mean, Lucas Patrick was a hell of a good versatile role player. So that whole old line thing's gonna be really interesting. Even mm-hmm. even if you assume Bakhtiari will be your week one starting left tackle, you know who who's, who are your backups? I mean, is Nyman goes to right tackle to begin with? Who's is this Cole Van Lannan? Make it based on what you were talking about earlier as the starting right tackle during offseason. The rookies between Ryan and Zach Tom and Rashid Wallace. Which of those guys? Rashid are Wallace. Ready to... They signed God, Rashid Wallace. Oh <laughs> God, Rashid Wallace. Jesus, man. They, there's too many Wallaces and Walkers on this team. Can you I imagine know. if they resigned Rashid Wallace though? That'd be a I, good signing. That would be a great story. Hey, he's got good arm length. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I think Cole Schneider is an interesting one. There's always a spot for offensive linemen who can uh, play multiple positions. As Aaron Rodgers has said for 100 years, the number two center is a surefire way to our roster spot. Yep. It, it, may, it may be that Zach Tom, right? But Maybe. I would think Schneider's got a shot at it. And obviously one of those guys will be on the chopping block once Elton Jenkins comes back. Um, yep. Maybe my answer to that question, we talked so much about the top three cornerbacks, but there isn't much proven depth behind those guys. Zero. None. And um, I think Rico Gafford's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but when I covered the Raiders, I believe it was in 2018? Might have been 2017. Rico Gafford was an undrafted rookie. No, I think that was 2018. Um, the, the Raiders were getting ready to play the Ravens, and that was Lamar Jackson's rookie season, and they had Rico Gafford act as scout team Lamar Jackson the whole week. He's a freak athlete. He's super fast. Um, Rich Bisaccia knows him from his time with the Raiders. Uh, he could play on special teams, and I think the, the wide receiver to cornerback switch back. He switched from one to the other, then back to cornerback. 
um, especially at a position with little depth. I think Gafford uh, could be a guy that is a surprise inclusion on the 53 at the bottom of that cornerback depth chart. You know, he was a stud at Wyoming, but he was overshadowed by a guy you might have heard of, their quarterback at the time, Josh Allen, who is now the quarterback of the Bills. Um, so people didn't really take note of Rico Gafford when they went to see Wyoming play. But I think that could be your your surprise inclusion. Maybe it's not a shock that he's making the team over KB on Ento and Keandre Thomas and guys like that, but uh, a guy that might be a little uh, at a left field nonetheless. Man, their cornerback depth chart is amazing. I believe Keyshawn Nixon has the only pass defense. He has one. John Charles doesn't have any. Ento hasn't played in three years. Mm-hmm. It is. They're a hot mess. And you can't get Rasul. And people keep downplaying, at least my readers do. It's like, you don't get Rasul Douglas every year. You are lucky to get Rasul Douglas once. If something happens to one of those guys, I mean, the odds of finding someone on some practice squad who can go out and play are mm-hmm. almost zero. And they didn't draft anybody. And Keyshawn Nixon's got, he's got like 240 snaps of professional experience at this spot. And that's, that's what they got. So, yeah, doors wide open for any of those guys, including Gafford, who I believe is the Iowa all-time record holder for the 100-meter dash. There you go. All right. Next, from AJ in Pismo Beach. Do the Packers get a deal done with Elton Jenkins before the season ends, or do they wait until the offseason and possibly use the franchise tag before extending him? Him and Rashawn Gary are the next two uh, priorities in terms of extensions. I think it would be wise for Jenkins himself to wait until after the season to get an extension done. Um, Not only because he'll probably be worth more coming off half a season of really strong play rather than... uh, not having played for half a season off an injury. So I would assume he waits until after the season, not only for that, but also because um, my guess is he'll be playing tackle when he comes back healthy instead of left guard. I think he'll be playing right tackle unless John Runyon Jr. gets hurt. Um, And tackles make more money in this league than guards. So uh, I think those are the two reasons that Elton Jenkins himself and his representatives would want to wait till after the season to... Uh, get an extension done. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I don't understand why anybody would ever sign early. I mean, I get there's there's the whole injury concern. Well, but... good thing David Bottiari did. <laughs> but I would if I I would always go to free agency. Yeah, let's see what I'm worth, people. So yeah, I I would I would wait if I was if I was Jenkins too. But he's gonna make a boatload of money. Yeah, he will. Yeah, and they're on on a roster full of guys making a boatload of money. These this team is going to be amazing, contract contract wise. But they're going to have if Jenkins gets it, they might have six guys making twenty million a year. Rogers, uh, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander. Gary's probably going to get there. Of course, they're going to get rid of Aaron Jones, I presume. Right. Whew. What a salary structure. All right. From Jason P. DuRussell at JPDU. Thoughts on third safety, fourth corner, third slash fourth OLB, potential week one O-line. Third safety. Weak. 
Sean Davis right now over Vernon Scott. You know, when Adrian Amos was not at practice this offseason, sparingly, I believe that was one of the OTAs, or yeah, I think it was one of the OTAs. Sean Davis was in there before Vernon Scott. So, and Henry Black got snaps over Vernon Scott last year. So clearly they're not enthralled with Vernon Scott. Fourth corner, Keyshawn Nixon, just because he's been in the league and done it and nobody else has. Third slash fourth OLB, Randy Ram- Ramsey or Kingsley and Agberry. I just was not impressed really with Tipa and Jonathan Garvin last year. Um, I think Anagberry, who was a really productive SEC pass rusher, and, and Ramsey, who was their fourth guy in, in 2020, could have the leg up if he comes back healthy, that is. Potential week one O-line. The, the biggest story of this offseason is will David Bakhtiari be on the field day one of training camp? Matt LaFleur is going to be at the podium on the morning of July 27th, and he'll tell us if he will or not, and that will set the tone for the rest of training camp. I'm going to say he is on the field. David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Yash Nyman is my guess for week one O-line. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, there, there, was no, there was no wiggle room for him. I should say there's no wiggle room. LaFleur is pretty adamant that Bakhtiari be on the field day one. Yeah. Now again, he said that, you know, he, they thought he'd be back faster last year too. And it didn't happen, but they, he seemed pretty confident about it, but you know, getting back to those other positions that he mentioned, how many, how many snaps on defense did, did Davis play last year? Zero. 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 And, and Keyshawn Nixon played like what? 70 for the Raiders last year. So that's your number. That's your number four corner. Your number three safety is zero. The number three outside linebacker at this point might be zero if it's those guys that you mentioned. People can talk into their blue in the face while signing a receiver, but they need to, they that's where they got to tinker with their depth. I remember last training camp, Goody brought in corners throughout, whether mm-hmm. it was trading or trading for Isaac Yadam or signing this guy or that guy. They had a revolving door, and I, w- I would kind of think DB wise, it might be the same thing. They just might be bringing in guys every week and just see if, you know. Something six of the wall. Because you're you're probably not going to find another Rasul Douglas. <laughs> no, right? So just keep bringing in guys who've played a little bit or maybe some guy that you liked in the draft who got released and hasn't panned out. Just they got to take some swings at it because they are they are weak. Just if, they, if they can play starters all year, they're really good. If guys get hurt, which they will, they've got some struggles. That's the thing, and, and that's a good point. And a couple of the other questions, uh, I don't want to get too repetitive, but are about – the depth and we talk so much about on paper how good the Packers defense is with Kenny Clark and the two inside linebackers in the secondary but Gary and Preston Smith only played about 65% of the defensive snaps last year I believe if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken there are going to be other guys who need to play maybe not at safety because those guys really play uh, a heavy amount of the snaps if not all of them but on the defensive line and, you know, at cornerback and safety, we've seen injuries, and at edge rusher especially. They're going to need some depth pieces to play, and, and that's where the concern is. Um, so we'll see where those depth pieces uh, come from. On another note, 
from Wyatt Fulton, who was the first question in, what are realistic expectations for the Packers wide receiver room? We touched on that a little bit. And then his second question, if Bakhtiari isn't ready by camp, is it time to smash the panic button? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. and yes. I definitely think so. Um, obviously, it's one thing if he's not practicing during football that doesn't mean much during the offseason. But they're, they have said their goal is to get him on the field by training camp. They expect him to do that. And if he's not, then something is officially badly wrong. Right. Um, and again, they've got, there's just no depth if, if Bakhtiari's not ready to go. I mean, I think not, they'd, they'd probably be okay with Nyman at left tackle, but Nyman and Cole Van Lannan against Darius Smith and, and uh, Daniil Hunter. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, seriously. But meanwhile, their, their defensive line is like overflowing with depth. And this D, D line is fantastic. The running back groups, they've got depth in a lot of places. Just just not some spots where you, you could be really in some deep trouble. Yeah, uh, so I was right. Preston Smith, 63.86%. And Rashawn Gary, 63.11% defensive snaps played last season. So that's a lot of snaps that are going to be played by guys that haven't done anything in this league yet. And that's a lot of snaps where the opposing quarterback may not have much pressure on them. It was interesting. Last year, they, they always took Gary and Preston out at the same time. So you'd end up with Tipa and, and Garvin in there in tandem. And it's like, can you imagine the offensive coordinator's like, oh, man, we, we got all day to throw the football now, people. Right. So of, of all the rookies, you, you kind of hit on an Eggberry is kind of a one, I mean, aside from Christian Watson, but mm-hmm. an Eggberry is really a guy to watch this summer. I agree. Last question from at independent, no BS. How long do Packers hang on to Jordan Love and what would you estimate his trade value would be? Uh, I think they hang on to him through this season because they don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be here next year. And if they thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback for the next three seasons, uh, they might trade Jordan Love. But they might need to... have a starting quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers next season. And while they might not think Jordan Love is the next guy, you at least need him to compete for that spot in 2023 since he knows the system. Maybe he is the starter. But I wrote the other day, it's still too early to to know kind of what he really is. And you're probably not going to get that answer this season because he's not going to play. If all goes according to plan, he's not going to play meaningful snaps in the regular season or playoffs. So they have a decision to make after this season, whether they exercise his fifth-year option or not. They will know by then if Aaron Rodgers is returning for the 2023 season. Um, But for anyone who thought that next offseason would finally be devoid of any quarterback questions or uncertainty, think again. Uh, I don't think they'll trade him this season. I don't think they'll trade him ever. I don't think the demand is high. Bingo. But... We'll see. I don't know if he ever plays for the Packers in a, in a regular season, a meaningful regular season snaps again. It, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Yeah, I, you're right. I, th- who's going to trade for him? What, what, is, what has he done? He's played, he's played one and a half games of, of real meaningful snaps, and he didn't play well in any of them. There's, I, I, can't, I can't imagine any team would, would, would want him. Meanwhile... If you were to get rid of Jordan Love right now, who's your backup? It's Danny Etling. 
yeah. who entered the NFL in 2018. He's never played a regular season snap. I mean, you're starting from square one, and if Rodgers goes down or gets COVID or whatever it is, you got to play a couple games. But Danny Etling? I mean, at least Jordan Love's been here. He knows the offense. There is some talent there. I mean, we've seen it. Not all the time, but we have seen the talent. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say one thing there, too. His rookie training camp or his rookie year was kind of thrown because of COVID, so there was no rookie camp, no offseason. And then rookie training camp came, and he was number three behind Riders and Boyle. He was never going to beat out Tim Boyle because Boyle knew the offense. Mm-hmm. So he had no chance as a rookie. And then last year, he gets hurts the shoulder in the preseason. So his preseason kind of goes down the drain there, too. Yeah. So he I mean, he needs to play. I mean, this is what Fleur said this. I mean, he needs to play. He needs a healthy training camp, a healthy preseason to get all those snaps. So if he does need to play, you have some sort of idea if he can if he can help you out or not. But no, they're not going to get rid of him. Goodness gracious. Exactly. And the most important part of last preseason was probably the joint practices against the Jets, right. which which he missed. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this preseason in games and if he stays healthy um, for the Packers' sake. So they have a better evaluation. They hope he does, obviously. So that's today's show. We'll talk to you again maybe two weeks, a month. We'll see. Whatever our super producer Marissa demands of us, which whatever she says goes because she knows what she's doing and we don't. So uh, training camp, July 27th. The bikes are back. The bike tradition is back, which will be fun to see. Um, And again, a reminder, coming up right now, the trailer of The Athletic's next narrative series titled Luck. We peel back the curtain in a way that's never been done before on one of the most unique careers in NFL history. Get all six episodes of Luck on The Athletic Football Show feed on Monday, July 11th, wherever you listen to podcasts. That obviously referring to Andrew Luck um, and his career. Zach Kiefer, who does a great job covering the Colts for us, spoke with over two dozen people about Andrew Luck and his career. Um, Maybe he'll be the next Packers quarterback. I don't know. But (laughs) for myself, for Bill... We've enjoyed catching up with you guys again. Appreciate all the questions. We'll talk to you next time. At the center of one of the greatest what-ifs in NFL history is one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time. What if the Colts had protected Andrew Luck? It's amazing that the Colts could move on from Peyton Manning and nobody really blinked. The reason why Andrew turned around the Colts and turned around Stanford was that beast inside of him that would look at the opposing team and saying, I'm going to kill you today. My encounters with him were unlike other encounters I would have with quarterbacks. He could have been a thoracic surgeon. He could have been anything. I don't think there's ever been a smaller gap between someone's floor and their ceiling. If it's one to 10, he's a 10 in every category. There's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, all wrapped up one. High end, he's a Hall of Famer. Low end, he's a multi-year Pro Bowler. Like, I can't see there's any way this guy doesn't succeed. I just remember him saying, Jacoby, like, this is going to sound weird, but but can you hit me on the sideline? Because I need to feel the game right now. I go, I don't think I'm supposed to hit you. With Andrew, it was very secretive. Seeing all the treatment he would go through, see all the hits he would endure. It was like, man, I know you have to be injured. He gets sandwiched between two linebackers at that moment. He has a ruptured kidney. The sort of injury you sustain in a car crash, basically. I never knew what the hell was bothering me until all this news came out. And it was like, oh, wait, he was suffering from this? It was all news to us. If the people that succeeded us had put a team around him, as we did with Peyton, the results probably would have been the same.
Andrew Luck has become a cautionary tale for any team with an up-and-coming quarterback who doesn't have protection. I remember both of us having a moment where we both were teary-eyed going, man, this beautiful, beautiful player is uh, not going to play anymore. I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, and I'm the host of a new podcast series called Luck. It's the Andrew Luck story as you've never heard it. The series looks to answer this question. How did the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, end up walking away from the game before he was 30 years old? All six episodes will be released on July 11th. Look for Luck on the Athletic Football Show podcast feed wherever you get your podcast, and listen to Luck ad-free on the Athletic app.